1: This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god
2: walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On VSEN, the sports betting network.
4: It is our number two of the Greg Peterson experience on VSEN, the sports betting network. Lots of basketball chatter here in our number two. As we're going to be joined by Albert, when he does a great job over at Action Network. You know him better as the analytics capper. He did a great job all season long when it came to the NFL side of things. Now we're going to be talking some NBA futures with him. I know he's got a couple college basketball sleepers that he's taking a look at as well. So we're going to have a lot of futures chatter here in the middle part of our number two. We're going to get you guys cooking with some hopefully winners for this college basketball Monday as we're going to be breaking down some of these games and We've got to give a lot of credit where credit is due because there's a lot that goes into these shows here on v and the folks behind the scenes, they do absolute yeoman's work, especially on the weekends where typically it's a little bit harder to be able to get things all sorted out as so many of you guys know that work the weekends and these guys, they always put together a very great effort night in, night out. You've got my producer, Jason Kahn, who just relentlessly does an amazing job of being able to book all these guests. You've got Dakota. If you're watching on VEASAN.com, if you're watching on YouTube TV, what have you, all the graphics that you see on the screen, it is Dakota. You've got my audio engineer, Taylor, who, if you're listening on Sports Map Radio, we do welcome you in. We've been on Sports Map Radio for a little bit over a month now, so hopefully you do like what you're hearing from the Greg Peterson experience, from Vison in general, and every single hour that we find for the Greg Peterson experience, that is up on vSun.com slash podcast. And that is Sean. That does a great job with that. And you're also able to find every hour when it comes to whatever podcast platform that you utilize, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, list goes on and on. And that is via the VSN. Best bets feed. These are some great hard workers. They always come in every single Sunday for us, and I do appreciate all their efforts because it does make a team to be able to make these shows work. And these guys, they are the best in the business, no doubt about it. And hopefully, there's no doubt about this one. We are looking to get hot with these DK and H picks. Have it five out of the last six. If you were following the Twitter feed at GNR41 since. Obviously, it was not on on Saturday, but gave out North Carolina versus NC State, like NC State in that one, and NC State got it done for us. North Carolina's on the bubble, and they're currently a flaming dumpster fire, if you're taking a look at the landscape of college basketball. Went from the number one team in all of college basketball down to a bubble team, which, not great. Not great, to say the least, for our good friends over there in North Carolina, so we shall see what happens with them, but... We shall see what happens on Monday, because neither of these teams are on the bubble currently in terms of the NCAA tournament. We go out to the Big 12. It is Big Monday. Kansas plays a lot on Big Monday as they are going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against TCU. TCU opened up a one-point favorite. Now we're seeing them at pretty much across the board as a two-point favorite. And total on this game, it opened up at 150, a very modest drop to 149.5. And right up here is going to be on the under. Last time these two teams played... It was a 83-60 to 60 game, and I think we get something very similar in this one. I'm going to be writing up the under, and the big reason why is that TCU has been able to do a great job of locking down teams all season long. This is a team that ranks in the top 25 nationally in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, and they're going up against Kansas' team that they themselves have really traveled with regards to their defense. If you look at Kansas overall in terms of their defense, they are... 49th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but they're only allowing six cents of a point more per 100 possessions when they're in a road-slash-shoot record environment rather than when they are at home in terms of their road defensive efficiency. That's in the top 25 in the country, and if you go back to last time these two teams met, TCU had a double-digit lead in the final 31 minutes and 55 seconds of game time. Certainly, I don't think that that's going to be the case. And something else I don't think is going to duplicate itself, the good shooting that TCU had from the outside the first time around. They went 8 of 15 from three-point range. That is a very atypical mark for a TCU team that overall this season is shooting 29.2%. Out of 363 D1 teams, that is 353rd. You also have a pair of teams that they do a good job of be able to generate turnovers. When these two teams met up at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, you saw a combined 32 turnovers in that game, and I do think that that is something that is going to be duplicating itself, as Kansas currently 61st in the country in terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis. TCU is number 20, and I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to get after it on that front. We've got a TCU team that now has Mike Miles back in the fold, and if you ask me, Mike Miles, in terms of his value to his respective team, a top 10 player in all of college basketball, as a matter of fact, might be a top 5 player in all of college basketball. He is incredibly impactful for this team, and you saw it on full display. When he was out of the fold. TCU, they were only able to win one game without him. That includes the game that went to overtime, which they lost against Mississippi State. They get him back at the fold, then he puts up 100 against Oklahoma State. Well, he didn't, but the team did. But I do think that things are going to be a little bit more tamed down in this fight as well. You've got a Kansas team that has a lot of 71 points or fear in three out. Of their last five games, Kansas does a good job of getting after it with Jalen Wilson giving you 20 and a half points. Chips in their eight boards. Kevin McCuller, just a Swiss Army knife guy, nearly two and a half steals. He's able to chip in there 10 and a half points, seven and a half rebounds. Just does whatever you need. And the three-point shooting for Kansas certainly does take a little bit of a fall off when they're in a roadside shoot record environment as well. Grady Dick is someone that shoots over 40% from 3 point range overall, but in road roadside shoot record environment, that's a number that it falls to more in that pocket of about 35% from three-point range. So, very much, I do think that the outside shooting is going to struggle a little bit more in this game. I do think that we're going to get quite a few turnovers, much like we did the first time around. And that's going to lead to a score that I think is going to be very similar to the first game. Now, I do recognize that TCU has been playing a little bit more up-tempo. It is a team that, in terms of total possessions per game, they're in the top 75 in all of college basketball. Kansas, certainly no slug either. They are 69th in the country. There's a total possessions per game, but I do think that both of these defense are going to be able to do a solid job of locking down. So DK Nation write-up, that is going to be on the under end. I know that we are going to be seeing Kansas really wanting to get revenge from what we saw the first time around. I don't think they're going to get their revenge. I think that Mike Miles coming back is just so impactful for the CCU team. A TCU team that they don't do a great job of being able to go bombs away from three-point range, but they do a nice job getting to the free throw line. They do a great job of being able to pound the glass. Eddie Lampkin is able to give you right around six rebounds per game. Emmanuel Miller is really the only guy that shoots above 33% per three for this team. He shoots over 45% per distance. He's been able to chip in there 12 points per game. Damian Baugh being able to now... Do a little bit less in terms of scoring. Just focus on the facilitation where he's able to give you five plus assists per game. Mike Miles was the missing link for this team. He is the top scorer. His impact is going to allow TCU to be able to get it done. One delay up to the two that we're seeing right now with TCU. I made them a two and a half point favor. right up. That is going to be on the under. How about if we go to a team that is typically on an island and now they're in the mainland. 867, 868 on the betting board. Hawaii is on the road, at, and they're going to be facing off against Cal State Bakersfield. Meet, meet for the Roadrunners, who are a 6, six and a half point home underdog, and your total is between 122 and 123. Very interesting total, because you've got a Bakersfield team that has been going through quite a few injuries. Modestus Conqueros, he is a gentleman that comes in from Creighton, and he was their top rebounder. He's been out of the fold for a few weeks now, and then they were also dealing with an injury to Caleb Higgins, He, at the beginning of the year, was their top scorer. He's missed now darn near half the season, and Cal State Bakersfield was looking to mix and match without him. And the way that they've been able to mix and match is by cranking up their tempo a little bit. Ever since they lost to Conclaris, this team has been playing at nearly four possessions per game more, and the offense has all of a sudden been able to get a little bit of something going. It's a team that has now scored at least 69 points in each of the last six games. Someone needs to call the papers because Cal State Bakersfield just has not played this quickly, and for Cal State Bakersfield, the defense has also taken a very, very nice nosedive as they have allowed now at least 72 points in seven out of their last nine games, and yeah, we're getting a total between 122.5 and 123. Now, if you take a look at the overall season numbers for Bakersfield, still a bottom 75 team in terms of possessions per game, not a team that is necessarily going to completely light it up with their offense, a team that shoots about 32% per three. They turned the ball over 13 times for contest. but Octavian Callum has absolutely been on one for this team. He had to really take over as a primary scorer after you saw Higgins go out of the fold. He began his career over at Ole Miss, and you take a look at what he's been able to do really over the span of the last seven games, and he has been a very underrated cog, scoring 21.1 points, 5.9 boards per game. He shoots 40% from three in the seven-game time span as well as a 6'7", a little bit of a do-it-all player. Meanwhile, you've got a Hawaii team that they do rank in the top 25 in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis, as you can probably expect Hawaii takes a little bit of a fall off when they're away from the island. They're giving up 11 points more per one-hour possessions in a Rose lash record Court environment, but I do like what they've got down low. Bernardo De Silva along with Hepa. They've been able to do a good job of being able to give the team about 13.3 rebounds per game. HEPA is a six-foot-ten combo player that is shooting 39.7% from three-point range, nearly 12 points per game, and just got really good balance scoring with this Hawaii team. Despite the fact that they play a very slow, methodical style, they're in the bottom 75 in terms of total possessions per game. Five separate guys all give you at least 10 points per game. HEPA, we mentioned a little bit before, Javon McClanahan, who's really one of your main facilitators with three assists per contest. Noel Coleman, who's been able to chip in there, 13 points per game. And then you've got Sameta Avea, along with Da Silva. who I mentioned before, both give you 10 to 10.2 points per game. So I do think that Hawaii is going to be a tough team to be able to match up with. I do like the fact that Cal State Bakersfield, for once in their lives, is starting to get some offense going. Defense has taken a big giant nose dive. Hawaii has actually been relatively solid away from the island thus far this season. I do think that Hawaii going to be able to get the job done. I made them a seven-point favorite, so I am going to be willing to lay the six to six half that I'm seeing right now, and typically when you get a seven-point game with a minute left to go, that means fouls, so you've got that to be able to help out with this total as well. Bakersfield playing a little bit more up-tempo recently. I set my total at 125s here at 123. Going to be willing to go over as well, and coming up next, we're going to be shifting our attention away from the kids in college, and we're going to be taking a look at the pros, as we've got Albert Wynn, better known as Analytics scapper joining me. We're going to be taking a look at some NBA futures with him next, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v the Sports Network.
1: Terms and conditions apply.
2: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VCN, the sports betting network.
4: Sports fans, the football season has wrapped up, and BetRivers online sportsbook is your place to be for basketball and hockey. BetRivers. As you covered with every line Audit boost, join us every week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey for School Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay Bet-and-Get, Weekly Pro Basketball Bet-and-Get, and so much more. Check out BetRivers.com or download the BetRivs app today as it's a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience of Easton, the sports fan Network, and it is great to be joined by this man. He does amazing work at Action Network. Guy covers a little bit of everything because he's better known as the analytics capper. It is Albert Wynn joining me. And Albert, hopefully all is well, my friend. We transition from football to basketball, and I am so excited for it. Thank you.
0: Yes, thank you for having me on, Greg. Let's not discount the XFL, right? We had four games in XFL over the weekend. (laughs) But you're right. It's full swing in terms of basketball, both college and NBA, and I'm looking forward to it.
4: Absolutely. And let's lead off here with the NBA because I know that you've been able to identify some nice markets for taking a look at the futures. I know that you're looking for a lot of yes nos for some of these teams to make the playoffs and what did make you to decide on some of the teams that you did fire on that either you're going to be able to get a plus price for them to make slash miss the playoffs and just sort of the recent form that you're seeing with them.
0: Yeah, for those who have not been following the NBA right now, if you're just about to jump in, the Western Conference is nuts. Uh, Basically, teams 3 to to 13 are all bunched up within five games each, so there's going to be a lot of movement uh, the rest of the way. There's only about 23, 25 games for each team here moving forward as we get into the second half of the season. Um, the Lakers, they are right now currently sitting outside of the play-in tournament. They made quite a few moves during the trade deadline. I did think uh, I was pretty bullish on some of those moves. I think they did improve their roster. They got rid of Russell Westbrook and added depth and shooting on their side. I think LeBron James is com- going to come back healthy. Anthony Davis has to look good now for a couple weeks. So I like the Lakers here plus money to make the playoffs at plus 160. Uh, you can find it at some outlets at plus 170. There's only 23 games left. I know LeBron James made a big announcement today saying these 23 games are the most 20 most important 23 regular season games of his 20-year career. We'll see how it, how he plays, how the team plays. Um, but I don't see the NBA for going another year without the Lakers in the playoffs. So I do like the value of that. They're only two games away from the plan, so anything can happen.
4: Absolutely, and I do have my question marks when LeBron says that they're the most most important 23 (laughs) regular season games of his career, but at the very least, he's saying the right things for us as well. And you mentioned it, the Western Conference is wide open, but the betting favorite right now in the West, it has become the Phoenix Suns, and I know that is not the team that you're looking at for the Western Conference, and I totally agree with you because I just have no idea what we're going to get out of the Suns because I don't necessarily want to bet on these teams that they made these blockbuster moves just because last time we saw a team make an in-season blockbuster move and be able to win the finals. It's been a really, really long time. We've seen teams before the season like Kawhi Leonard joining the Toronto Raptors. That worked out very well, but in-season moves, these big giant trades, they haven't necessarily panned out for teams being able to cash in the futures market. Is that something that you've been taking a look at as well?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, any time when you could get a Kevin Durant, arguably a top 10, top 15 player of all time on your team, it's going to be super exciting. There's going to be a lot of hype around your team. And as a better, those are the moments that you don't want to fall, fall into. You don't want to fall in those traps. So for me, I think the best value right now for the team to win the Western Conference sitting right now, of course, we haven't seen how they're going to integrate Kevin Durant. He's also still injured. People don't uh, remember that he's still hurt he's not going to play right away but i do like the the nuggets to win the west at plus 390 basically 4 to 1 odds for the best team in the west they're 41 and 18 they have the best point di- differential in the conference they have the best home record in the conference sitting at 27 and 4 uh actually that's the best record in the entire nba so for a team that's going to have home court advantage throughout the western conference playoffs you're going to pick, I think they have a big advantage there. So I like the Denver Nuggets at plus 390, and I'm not going to fall into the trap or fall into the hype and excitement around Kevin Durant, even though it might be justified. Yeah, Ben, I mean, getting in Kevin
4: Durant is terrific, but how healthy is he going to be? And I always put a little bit of a premium on chemistry when it comes to any form of basketball, whether that be the NBA, whether that be the Olympic team, Whether that be college basketball, heck, your son and or daughter's AAU basketball team. I think that you need to have some reps with your teammates. Do you agree slash disagree with that? Because I do take a look from a futures market perspective. I really don't have a lot of futures out with regards to the NBA. I'm still holding on to Shea Gilders Alexander for the Most Improved Player Award. But that said, do you take a look at that and you think, man, I would rather be banking on these teams that have been around for quite a while and... Do seem to have a good camaraderie with one another.
0: Yeah, camaraderie and chemistry is huge in the NBA, especially in the regular season with so many games happening quickly. Uh, Most of these teams, uh, Greg, I'm sure you know, second half of the season, they don't even have time to practice. It's travel, it's shoot-arounds, and then they play the games. So they're going to be running the same sets that they've been running all season long. They might integrate some wrinkles or some uh, variations to current sets, depending on the matchup and depending on the scouting. Um, But that's why I like uh, the Sacramento Kings. I think this is a great bet to win the Pacific Division plus 475. That's the same division as the aforementioned Phoenix Suns, who just got Kevin Durant. And the Los Angeles Clippers, who made a couple of trades to get Eric Gordon, as well as Bones Highland. I think all, all those moves are going to improve this, the Suns and improve the Clippers. But again, I'm not going to buy into the hype. The, the Kings are still leading in the division. Um, they're up a game on the Clippers, up two games on the Suns. I mentioned it already. We don't know if Kevin Durant's going to come back right away. We don't know how they're going to integrate him into the offense, as well as the defense. On the other end of the spectrum the kings they have the number one rated offense in the entire nba averaging 119 and a half points that's better than warriors that's better than the bucks that's better than the celtics so we know moving forward they're going to have an elite offense and i think uh you know getting plus 475 odds on that is great value so i like the kings to win the pacific division at plus 475.
4: yeah but i know that there's a few player props that you're taking a look at as well and I know that this guy has become a very trendy pick in terms of defensive player of the year, but that would be Jaron Jackson Jr., good old JJJ. I know that there were quite a few people, especially some of the fans of Easton, actually, that were very, very much hoping that he would win this award last year. Do you think that it's going to be his time this year to be able to win the award? Because now he's become the betting favorite, and I just take a look at what he's doing, and it's been absolutely amazing. I still remember that first half they had. I forget, it was about a week or so ago where he just completely stuffed the sad sheet.
0: Yeah, when it, when it comes to the Defense Player of the Year award, I would be utterly shocked right now if he doesn't win. I think the only way Jaron Jackson Jr. is not going to win at this juncture of the the season, because he did miss a huge chunk in the in the beginning of the year, is if he gets hurt hurt again. And he does have a history, a long history of injuries. If that happens, you might have to look into the Bam Adebayo's of the world, or maybe even the Brook Lopez's of the world. Brooke was leading this uh, this race here for about six weeks into the season before Jaren Jackson came back. But Greg, you're absolutely right. When it comes to pure stuff stats, when it comes to stocks that steals plus blocks, there's no one in the NBA that has uh, an impact like Jaren Jackson Jr. And if you look that, at the plus minus numbers of their defense with him on the floor versus him off the floor, he is leading the league by a wide margin. So I do think it's Jaren Jackson Jr.'s award to lose. And and you're right, I ho- he should have won last year, but i think uh, he's gonna get some uh some solstice this year and win it
4: and he is right now by far the favorite in that market you're having to lay a relatively hefty price on that one i'm seeing him as high as right around minus 180 to minus 190 so very clearly the market has responded and has become the big favorite there but i know in terms of sixth man of the year we also have a similar favorite in malcolm Brogdon. Minus 170 is what i'm seeing right now draft kings just a little bit behind what Jaron Jackson is in terms of defensive player of the year, but I know you've got a guy that is a little bit further down the board to be able to win this award, and I do agree with you on this one as well.
0: Yeah, this, this number two, uh, the the number two rank, rankings in terms of uh, futures right now is going to be on Norman Powell. Uh, he's a six man for the Clippers. I think moving forward, the Clippers are going to win a lot more games. They're a lot deeper now with Bones Highland, Eric Gordon. Um, Norman Powell is leading the NBA in off the bench scoring. That has been historically uh, the number one measure on who wins this award. Um, I don't know why this year they've changed kind of the criteria. Maybe that's just the markets reacting to how Boston's playing because Malcolm Brognum is a solid six man, um, but he doesn't have the stats in terms of points uh, when we compare previous winners of this award. So, I mean, I think Malcolm Brogdon is, is somewhat of a safe pick. I think the value has gone there. I still think minus 190 for Jaron Jackson is great, but minus 170 for Malcolm Brogdon isn't.
4: Yep, I do like the value on Powell, and I agree with you, Brogdon. He's gotten up a little bit too lofty, but what is not too lofty is the odds in the college basketball futures market, and we're going to be breaking that down with Albert Wynn of Action Network. Next, here on the Great Peterson Experience, on am Visa, the Sports Valley Network.
2: Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving on every single game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every ten minutes, so that way you be able to see all the changes in the action, find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets, and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. You're able to check out not just today's action, but future events as well as betting splits or another way that Vison is here year-round to make you a smarter-better. So check out today's betting splits for every single game at VEASAN.com. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the sports Bank Network, and great to be rejoined by Albert Wynn. You know him better as the analytics capper over at Action Network. And Albert, I know that we've got a few NBA player futures to take a look at, and we'll do that towards back half, but got to talk a little bit of college basketball and in terms of gauging the college basketball futures market, you were talking about the Western Conference and the NBA being wide open. I feel like that's all of college basketball right now because you can't get a number one team to be able to stay at that number one spot for really multiple weeks without losing a game. It's been very wild and crazy. What have you made out of it? And how are you sort of attacking the futures market? Because I just don't think that there's a lot of value on some of those teams that have the shortest odds right now because I I feel like this year in college basketball is going to be one of those tournaments where it goes to the old boxing adage of matchups make fights because all these teams are very flawed.
0: So true. It's going to be hundred percent on the matchup and also the location, and the venue where each of these teams will, are going to be playing. But I agree with you. It's it's been a very interesting season from a day to day handicapping standpoint. If there's a if there's a a, a lower ranked. A uh, team that's that's favored. Those are those are team. Those are opportunities, in my opinion, where you can kind of look into. Uh, let's say you know Alabama, the number one overall seed, uh, is is somehow an underdog against a team that's 500 at home. Those are situations that I've kind of looked into when it comes to college basketball. I've kept my volume personally down uh, during the last six seven weeks just because it's been so volatile, as you know, Greg. Um, but as far as like. Uh, potential teams that I'm looking at. I like Texas A&M. I like St. Mary's. I'm sure we'll go into you know into depth on both of these teams. But for Texas A&M, I think I like them a lot because they've been uh, they've shown that they can play multiple styles. They can win in a high-scoring game. They can win in a defensive matchup. They are on a five-game winning streak, and honestly, they've been one of the best home teams in the entire country. What do you think about the Aggies?
4: I absolutely love what I've been seeing out of Texas A&M, and I think that they might be the most undervalued power conference team in all of college basketball. Not to say that they're going to be making the Final Four or anything like that. That's not th- something I would fire in on, but hey, take a look at what they've been able to do, and I do completely agree with you. They've got a whole is greater than some of its parts sort of approach with them. A lot of guys that can be between five and six rebounds per game. Buzz Williams, I think, is a solid coach. I'm not going to call him like some sort of a top five coach in all of college basketball or anything like that, but I think that he does a very solid job. And out in an SEC where it's been rather competitive, a lack of jump shooting, but a lot of teams that they get after it on the defensive side of things, they've shown very well, and if they're able to duplicate that defensive style into the NCAA tournament, I think that there's a chance that they could be able to wreck shop in a year where offensive college basketball has been incredibly volatile as well.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. And I love to hear your thoughts on St. Mary's. I think this is a great team as well. They are six and one away from home. I think they're one of the better road teams. I think a lot of that is because they're well coached and I love their guard play. I know, you know, everyone's huge on Mahaney, but I think their off guard play well as well. And they're you know they're always gonna be good shooters and good free throw shooters down a stretch. So I like St. Mary's. And again this is also going to be a, a solid coach team. They're 20 f- 24 and 5 overall, but that away record is what I like to highlight 6 and 1 and they did just beat Gonzaga a couple weeks ago which has been, you know, their big brother for several years, but I think St. Mary's has the potential to pull through this season.
4: And it's so interesting, Gonzaga is currently 28 to 1 in terms of futures market at DraftKings. You've got St. Mary's at 31, which I do feel like St. Mary's might be starting to get a little bit too short, but I love what I'm seeing out of St. Mary's from a night-in and night-out perspective. They just pretty much stick you in the mud with their defensive style. You cannot get your tempo against them. Like, the game against Gonzaga went over, but that's only because you got over time. Neither team yeah. was able to get past the 68-point plateau in regulation. They are going to slow things down to your point. Someone like a Logan Johnson, who's able to give you a double-figure amount of points, chip in there like four-and-a-half boards, three-and-a-half assists. Mitchell Saxon does a good job down low. You've got so many guys. Kyle Bowen is somewhat at six foot eight. He only gives you some points per game, but at six foot eight, he shoots over forty percent from three. Just such a good, well-rounded team as well. And are these sort of the teams that you would be taking a look at in the futures market? Because, like I said, I do think that St. Mary's at thirty to one—that's getting a little bit too far down there. But at Texas A&M, I'm right now seeing them at one hundred and twenty to one. I think that's a little bit of a long shot, but it's one worth taking. Like we saw Memphis today; they were without. They're main point guard as well, and I do think that they were able to put forth a very good effort against Houston. They are 120-1, to 1, even without Kendrick Davis. They were very competitive in that game against Houston. These are the sorts of t- teams that I think are intriguing in that I don't necessarily think a team like Memphis can win the NCAA tournament, but if you're someone that you like to hedge, try to get a team into the second weekend, and then try to be able to just play the hedging game from there, you're able to make some money off of them.
0: I like it. What are your thoughts on the mid-American? Do you think there's going to be noise coming out of Kent State or Toledo? I
4: think that Kent State has a chance to be able to do so. They went on the road against Gonzaga a little bit earlier in the year, gave them all that they could handle. A top 25 team in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis with a fifth-year guard in sincere carry. That does a rock-solid job now. They aren't a team that is necessarily going to shoot it well from three. They only shoot about 33% from distance. But I'd be taking a look at Kent State because while Toledo is able to score, they're a team that's in the bottom 125 in terms of defensive efficiency, points a lot on a per-possession basis, and it's just really hard when you get into a neutral court environment to just go bombs away from three-point range like Toledo has been doing time and time again. I think that... We left Albert a little bit surprised with that answer, but that said, let's take a look at what we're also getting in terms of the NBA futures market as well, because I do think that in terms of some of these awards, we were taking a look at a few of them a little bit earlier with sixth man of the year, along with the... Defensive player of the year market It is very intriguing, but I know that Albert has a little bit of a play with regards to NBA coach of the year, and it goes into one of the teams that he was looking at a little bit earlier in the Denver Nuggets. Albert, take me through what you do like in terms of the uh, prospects of Mike Malone being a winning coach of the year right now at plus 260 at DraftKings.
0: Yeah, right now, uh, Mike Malone, I believe, has the second best odds uh, right behind Joe Mazzula. Joe Mazzula has done a fabulous job, amazing job there for the Boston Celtics. There was a, you know, a lot of unrest and, and uh, things going on there in the offseason with the previous coach and um, the front office there. And then there's been you know trade rumors surrounding Jalen Brown now for the last four or five seasons. So the way that he's been able to navigate that, they got off to an unbelievable start. Had you know a week or two of, of downplay, and now they're back to their winning ways. And you know through injuries, with Robert Williams out, Marcus Smart out, so uh, Joe Mazzula definitely has the resume. I potentially think that Milwaukee is going to catch Boston and finish first place in the East, which means to me, I uh, Mike Malone at plus two sixty is great value. I don't think anybody's catching the Denver Nuggets out west. I think they're going to finish first. I think they're going to have a three time. MVP that's back to back to back with Nikola Jokic. And you got to give Mike Malone credit. They started the season terrible on defense, but now for the past two and a half to three months, they've been playing top 10 defense. And you know they're always going to be able to score. And again, I mentioned this earlier, but they have the best home court advantage in the NBA. Mike Malone's style has a lot to do with it.
4: Absolutely. And Albert, also with regards to the NBA, I know that we talked about in the last segment not wanting to buy into too much with these teams that made blockbuster moves. But are there a few teams that with regards to the trade deadline, maybe they made more frugal moves that you do like as well? Because I know that you weren't really liking the blend that the L.A. Lakers had back when Russell Westbrook was there. Feels like you're a little bit more bullish now that they got rid of Russell Westbrook. and. Well, the Lakers are a team that I've been fading all season long until they got rid of Westbrook as well. But any other teams that you take a look at in terms of having made some moves that perhaps are going to be improving them moving forward?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely bullish on the moves that the Lakers made. I'm I'm bearish on these two teams that didn't make any major moves who I thought needed to, to really catapult their season. The defending champions, Golden State Warriors, they have two, three young guys who are very, very high draft picks. Uh, They let James Wiseman go basically for nothing. They got Gary Payton, the second back, who is hurt and most likely won't play anytime soon. So I think the Warriors needed a move and they didn't do anything. And the team that I'm going to fade the second half of the season will be the New Orleans Pelicans. They got really bad news when it came to the Zion uh, Williamson injury. And for a player like him, That depends on explosiveness and as well as athleticism. With a soft tissue injury like that, you just never know when he's going to get back or even be 100% when he does come back. I think the Pelicans, uh, when you look at their market, to miss the playoffs at plus 135, I think is is really good value. They just went on a 10-game losing streak uh, just a few games ago, and I think they have the potential to keep losing.
4: Yeah, I bet Zion Williamson injury, it is big, but what else is massive? Getting you on the show, Albert, you do great work. Always appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Greg. Talk soon.
4: Always great to have Albert win aboard, and coming up next on the Greg Peterson Experience, we take a look at some big West college basketball here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network.
2: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on V the Sports Betting Network.
4: Sports fans, as the football season wraps up, that Online Sportsbook is the place to be for basketball and hockey. That has a cover for every line odd, and boost. Join us every week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey for School Insurance Saturday. Hockey, same game, parlay, bet and get, weekly, pro well, basketball, bet and get, and so much more. Check out betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app today as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg set Experience on Visa the Esports Bank Network. It was great to have Albert Wynn aboard. Take a look at some college basketball teams to be keeping in mind and taking a look at the NBA Futures board as well. Always a pleasure to be able to get him aboard. And let's take a look at some of the games that we do have on this college basketball Monday as It's a very interesting day on the board in that we've got a lot of teams from the Big West that are coming to the forefront. It feels like it's a different conference every week that really takes center stage on Mondays. Last week it was Colonial. This week it's the Big West. I think next week we're going to be getting some of those conference tournaments like the Horizon League always plays with the bottom teams on Mondays and things like that. And some of those games are absolutely rambunctious. So I'm very much looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to this one as I do think that the underdog is a little bit of value on this one. 877, 878 on the board. It is UC Santa Barbara and the Gauchos playoffs to Cal State Fullerton. Fullerton is an underdog of six points. I'm seeing one straight five and a half out there, but mostly six. this game is 129 and a half. I was seeing out there a little bit earlier some 130s, and that would be my buy point on the under. Here at 129 and a half, I'm going to let the line marinate, see what we can all get in the AM, see if we can get... This sounded more like a 128-129 for an over or 130-131 for an under, but that said, Cal State Fullerton, six or more is my buy point on them. You've got a Santa Barbara team that has been relatively solid with their defense this season, but things have very much been going downhill for them. They've now given up 70-plus points in three out of their last four games. They're actually now behind Cal State Fullerton terms of points allowed on a per possession basis although both of these teams are very tightly bunched together. Fullerton 72nd in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. Santa Barbara 73rd but what I find to be very interesting is that Santa Barbara is giving up four and a half points more per one hour possessions at home rather than on the road which really doesn't make a lot of sense and for Cal State Fullerton Latrell Wrightsell has really turned into a just heat check guy that's able to give you a bunch of production overall for the season. He's been able to contribute about 16 points per game, but he comes in having scored 18 plus, and now four out of the last six games, he's really been able to elevate himself. You've got someone that comes in from D2 Tampa College, and Max Jones, who's been a nice impact player with 11.5 points per game, and it is a Fullerton bunch at. And- it's going to lose a battle down low. They don't have a single guy that gives you north of five rebounds per game, but they don't rebound bad as a committee. You've got Wright, along with Vincent Lee, Torrey San Antonio. All these guys give between about 4.3 to 5 rebounds per game. Meanwhile, for Santa Barbara, it's been interesting to take a look at Andre Kelly. I always call him Andre 3000 Kelly because he was always very solid while he was at Cal last year. I was 13.5 points, 8.5 rebounds while he was on the Pac-12, and I recognize that... He looks to play a little bit more of a role here with Santa Barbara. That doesn't involve as much scoring, but he's seen his averages fall off from the Pac-12 to the Big West. Now about nine and a half points, six and a half rebounds per game. I thought this guy was going to completely dominate, and that just has not been the case. Now, you do have A.J. Mitchell for the Santa Barbara team. He's able to give you 16 points per contest. Not much of a three-point shooter, though. Miles Norris, who's a 6'9", 10 little bit of a combo player, has been more your three-point shooter, shooting about 38.5% from three-point range. For a Santa Barbara team that, as a whole, they are shooting about 33.5% from three, and they allow opponents to shoot 34.5% from distance. They've got some real issues when it comes to being able to guard the perimeter. It's a team that they rely upon a post-presence and really locking things up within the three-point arc, and yet... They don't even grab nine offensive rebounds per game, so it's a very befuddling little bit of Santa Barbara team that has been going through their ruts recently. And for Fullerton, this is a team that they play a little bit faster than Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara in the bottom 50 in terms of total possessions. Graham, Fullerton, more around 235th, but they've done a nice job recently of being able to lock guys down. They do a good job with just their collective in the backcourt of being able to really excel in games, and it is a, a Fullerton team that comes in having won five out of their last six games, and you just take a look at what the defense has been able to do, and it has been very, very supreme, as this is a bunch that they have now allowed 70 points or fewer in seven out of their last eight games. The offense hasn't necessarily been overly lively in this stretch either. They've only broken the 70-point plateau twice in this little bit of a run, but it's been a defense as we able to hold up at the point of attack. So I did set my total at a 129.5. Santa Barbara starting to wane with their defense. Fullerton starting to ascend. I do think that Santa Barbara is going to get a little bit more on line after they had a little bit of a rough go of it. One of those losses that they took was with Andre Kelly. Also dealing with a one-game suspension as well. So getting him back out there on the floor was very big for the Santa Barbara team. So going to be waiting on a little bit of a line move with the turtle because I do think that you get some late-game following because I did set my number at a five-and-a-half. You get a five-to-six-point game with a minute remaining, and, well, things get very harebrained from there. But in terms of the side, we'll take the six with Cal State Fullerton. I do you like the way that they have been able to ascend. How about if we take a look at one of the games from the extra board just because I feel like there's an injury that now people are starting to catch a little bit more wind of because this was an opener of three and a half and now it is hyped up to six. How about if we go 306 503, 306 504? Morgan State is going to be playing us a Howard. Howard opened up a three and a half point favorite. Now we're seeing this at six both at DraftKings and Caesars and now your total is anywhere between 147 and 147 and Totally agree with the move. I set my number at six 6.5. So here at 6, you've lost a little bit of value, but you know what? You still have a little bit. And the big key here, and the reason why I'm still willing to lay the 6 with Howard is that Morgan State is currently without Malik Miller. And Morgan State without Malik Miller has been a disaster. They have broken the 65-point plateau once in all the games that Malik Miller has missed. He has been out there for 19 games thus far this season. And when he's out there, this guy has been absolutely tremendous as Malik Miller is a six foot four, little bit of a joker player, has been able to give you 17.5 points, 3.9 rebound or 3.9 assists, 9.8 rebounds. He chips in their two steals per game, shoots 35.5% from three point range, but in the seven games that he's been off the floor, they've broken the sixty-eight point plateau once. Which here's just something be to me. I mean, it's a Morgan State team that is in the top 20 in terms of possessions per game, and they can't get to 70 points. They are playing at warp speed, and they're just completely ineffective without him. And now, because of injuries, they don't have a single guy out there on the floor that gives you north of 4.1 rebounds per game. That is a really bad combination. Now they're going up against a Howard team that is playing super-duper up-tempo because, actually, the game in which Malik Miller, I'm mentioning right now, got injured in, that was against Howard. That was in late January... In that game, Howard just completely beat up on our poor friends Morgan State in that game. 88-56 was the final. And Howard has really been upping their tempo. If you take a look at them out of conference, in conference, they have perhaps seen the biggest tempo shift in all of college basketball. They were a very mid tempo team when they were playing outside of the MIAC. In MIAC play, They have really sped it up. As a matter of fact, since conference play has began, if you want to date it back to January 1st, you're able to do so. They've been a top 25 team in terms of total possessions per game. They do sometimes get a little bit out of sorts. Their 16.6 turnovers per game is number two among all teams in college basketball, and that is not a category that you want to be towards the top in. But that said, you've got Elijah Hawkins, who does a solid job being able to bury 51.2% of his threes, 13.5 points per game. And then you've got a lot of guys that they just sort of mix and match. They know the role, Shai Odom, Jordan Wood, Jelani Williams, Marcus Dockery. They all give you between about eight and a half to 10 points per contest. And you've been able to get about 44% three-point shooting out of Dockery. And he's a guy that he's willing to take threes. He's going to take like five per game. You've been able to have Steve settle the third down low, give you six rebounds per game. And, there's just nobody on Morgan State that's able to match up and due to the injuries that Morgan State has been suffering, you've got Isaiah Burke who's having to be pretty much a lone man walking. He's been able to chip in there on 19 points per game. Good north of 40% three-point shooter, but you've got nobody else around him. Khalil Turner was supposed to be solid down low for this team. He's currently injured as well. You're looking at five foot ten Cameron Hobb being one of the top rebounders for the team right now and that's just a less than savory situation. For Morgan State and despite the injuries, Morgan State is not really throttled down. They're still playing at that same up-tempo pace, but it's a case where I still take a look at the under because even with that super-duper up-tempo pace, Morgan State is just coming up snake eyes on the offensive end. It's very strange to say the least. They're taking a bunch of shots. They're firing up a bunch of bricks and Howard, they are really coming into their own They've got a good chance, in my opinion, of being able to win the Miac along with Maryland Easter for Shore, which I'll try to get the their game if we've got enough time. But willing to lay it here with Howard, set them as a six and a half point favorite. I'm looking at the under, end. we go to our Visa and Pro tip for our number two. Visa.com/slash subscribe. You'll sort these by show and by sport. We talked a little bit in our number one with our good friend Dwayne Colucci about the NHL. When it comes to NHL regular season betting, always be keeping track of the goalies, whether or not this, the normal starter is going to be going or not. That plays a big impact with your NHL handicapping. Coming up next, we handicap a game out there in the Big 12 for college basketball. Here on the Greg Peterson Experience, I'm these Sports the you know Network.
1: Did you miss a Beeson show? We have multiple daily and weekly podcasts to keep you up to date on all the latest sports betting action. v Best Bets bring you the highlights from our daily lineup of shows, including Follow the Money and a Numbers Game. Market Insights with Josh Applebaum gets you. High Five
0: Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com.